Yo. Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show. Autumn is a best-selling author, popular speaker, and wife who is obsessed with her husband and four crazy kids. She is also the CEO of the Autumn Miles Ministry, as well as a lipstick and lash enthusiast. Autumn's vision is to speak to the culture with bold truth and challenge you to act in raw faith. Here's Autumn Miles. Hey, 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 it's your girl, Autumn Miles. Y'all, I think this show is going to be for you today. It's going to be um, amazing. I want to kind of get into my guest. This is a, now, now we, we, we never have anyone on the show that I, I, um, me and my team, not just me, is not like attracted to what they're doing. And um, I was presented with this book. Oh, a while ago, and I immediately loved it. Um, the title of, of the book is called The Middle Matters, and I think you're going to be encouraged because I know the demographic of our show. I know that a lot of us are in uh, in or approaching middle age, even if you don't feel like you are, numbers are telling a different story. Uh, kind of like me, I'm 30, almost 39, but feel like I'm 22, Dan. Feel like I'm, no, no, I don't ever want to be 22 again maybe maybe 28 and 29 dan how do you how, how young are you feeling day or you know <laughs> he, that didn't make any sense anyways uh the middle matters is what we're going to talk about today my guest is a best-selling author she released a book never unfriended and then she had a book before that which i don't have the name of it in front of me but but uh it is awesome i want to introduce you to my guest today lisa joe baker lisa joe welcome to the show my dear Autumn, it's so fun to be with you this morning. We're going to have a good time talking about middle age. I um, And it's not just middle age that you talk about. You talk about um, just kind of making an ordinary day exciting, extra, finding um, fulfillment in sort of an ordinary day, right? Tell me about why you wrote The Middle Matters. Well, I think it's because, like you, I, too, feel like I'm frozen in time at an age much younger than I actually am. <laughs> like, it's surprising to me when my son's teenage friends call me ma'am, you know? Yeah. Like, I was like, I told my husband they mammed me today. They totally <laughs> mammed me again. And I think it's true. Like, I don't know if if it's a middle age, but I definitely think it's a middle stage of yeah. our lives, of our parenting, of our marriages, of our work. And it's where we spend most of our lives, like in the middle. But we don't talk a lot about it. We're just like trying to get through the middle. We're trying to survive it. We want to fast forward it. It can feel sometimes boring and ordinary. I mean, a lot of it, let's face it, right? It's like trying to figure out new ways to make school lunches like or uh. chicken for dinner. Like so much of life <laughs> feels like that. And I started to think to myself, but wait, if this is where I live all the time, this is the most of my story, the meat and potatoes. These are the stories my kids will one day tell about our family. Maybe there's something here worth noticing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to just fast forward through the stage of my life. So for me, it wasn't so much about trying to find the excitement here in the middle. I didn't want to seize the day. I don't have the energy to seize the day, Autumn. I don't know about you. Like when I'm shopping for school supplies, I'm not seizing the day, okay? I'm just trying to survive the day. <laughs> But I thought to myself, I can, though, see the day. Yeah. And by that, I mean, we're on a hamster wheel, but every now and again, there are these moments that 
sneak up on you in the middle of a completely ordinary day that take your breath away. They're so meaningful. So those are the moments I'm keeping a lookout for here in the middle. I just went school shopping and I just wanted to die. I was like, what in the world? Like, why do we need that color pencil that writes the same as another? (laughs) Why do we need that? Like my son is like, I "I need, I need four things of Clorox wipes. I'm like, for what? Why? I know. And then there's like this specific number of pencils you have to have. But what if the pack doesn't come in that number? And then I have to do math to figure out how many packs I have to get to add up to the number of pencils. It's too stressful. And then then you go to get the pencils and everyone in your district needs the same pencils and they're out of the pencils. Yes. Okay. I'm right there right. with you. I, I was and then like... your kids have opinions. Like my eight-year-old is like, well, did you get folders that that are like me? And I'm like, what do you mean that are like you? Like, you know, like my personality. I'm like, no, I chose the red, blue, green, and yellow like I was told. Oh, my goodness. I know. I feel very, it's very stressful. It's very stressful. I know all the mamas sitting in their car in the pickup line today because we air at 3.30 are saying amen. Um, okay, so I I love this whole concept. I, but I'm, I'm looking at the contents of your book, and I've, I've been definitely prepped on the whole book. But I didn't realize it was in parts until right this second. Right. Why the middle of your muffin top matters. <laughs> okay, yes, the, you guys, listeners, all y'all out there that listen, um, this is hilarious. And I want to know why. <laughs> why does it matter? <laughs> well, I feel like, okay, so yeah, I wrote a book about my muffin top. I sure did. <laughs> I feel like the muffin top is both literally and figuratively representative of this time in our lives, right? Like, Mm -hmm. there's so many parts of the middle, whether it's your muffin top or, like, failures you've worked through or difficult friendships or parenting teenagers or, you know, marriage here in the middle. Like, all these places of your life that sometimes, like, you bump up against and you wish weren't there. You wish you could just drape a nice flowy tunic over them and move (laughs) on, you know? But, like, this is where real life really lives. Like, this is the meat and potatoes. And so, yeah, I have all these different sections in the middle of muffin top and marriage and parenting and your living room. And I just started with the muffin top because I think as women, especially in this sort of middle stage, we become hypercritical of how we look. Yeah. And we forget that these are the bodies that got us to this middle place. Like yeah. These are the bodies that like bore children or went through the hard process of adoption or in vitro fertilization. Like these bodies have lived you know, amazing triumphs to get us to where we are. And I want to embrace them. I'm raising a daughter. You have a daughter. Like, Mm -hmm. I want my girl to know I'm not ashamed of this body and the roles that I sometimes wish weren't there. (laughs) Like, all of it is so beautiful because of the story this body has made possible. And I want to focus on the story rather than the parts of the body I wish I could change. You know, I I, I just had, I have two daughters, Lisa, I have four kids, two daughters, two, two sons. Um, my eighth grader last night, she, um, we got our highlights, you know, for the eighth grade. What are we going to do? I mean, whatever. There you go. Uh, I mean, my hair is fluorescent blonde, so I can't really say much. But um, I, I was sitting with her last night, and she had just, she just got on the shower, blow dried her hair, and um, I don't know. She just, she was ready for bed. She just looked extremely beautiful to me. And I looked at her, and I said, "You are unbelievably beautiful, and you're the prettiest girl in your class." And she started crying, Lisa Joe looked back at me and said, do you actually believe that? And I said, yes, 
I believe that. And we had this conversation about, um, you know, body image and, you know, all that kind of stuff that you talk to your 13 year old girl about or you should. Um, but it's not that much different at almost 39 years of age, the things that you sort of struggle with. You're just in a different stage and you're, you look a little bit different. Um, so I love that you you talked about that because our girls absorb what we put out as moms. Don't right. you think that's true, Lisa Joe? Oh, 100%. Like, I, I mean, I have an essay called The Scale is Not the Boss of You, and it's all about this <laughs> idea of how as women – and raising daughters, we want them to be told they're strong and they're smart and they're capable and they're kind, all of these adjectives. But society seems to shy away these days from wanting us to parent by saying our kids are beautiful because mm. we're supposed to teach girls they're so much more than just beautiful. Mm. I agree. However, yeah. <laughs> they're also beautiful. Yeah. And I think as you know, I love, I got tears in my eyes when you said you told your daughter that last night, because I have this vivid memory that I talk about from when I was that age, too. And I remember driving in the car with my mom. It was the season of beauty pageants. I grew up in South Africa. Miss South Africa was happening. And I said to wow. my mom, when I grow up, I'm going to be Miss South Africa. Hmm. And, you know, as a 13-year-old, I'm not saying, like, tomorrow I want to try out for a pageant. In hmm. essence, what a, what a daughter is saying at, with that is, do you think I'm beautiful, Mom? Mm, you know, she's yeah. asking that question. She's not saying, do you think I'm beautiful enough for this pageant? She's saying, do you think I'm beautiful? Mm. And it was so unfortunate because my mom in that moment answered the wrong question because she said to me, oh, I just, I don't think you're beautiful like that. Oh, <laughs> Those are no. things the girl doesn't forget, <laughs> you know? You need your mama to be the one who tells yeah. you you are the most beautiful girl. Like, yeah. In my eyes, you are the most beautiful. And so I think we need to speak deep affirmation into our daughters because mm. I think I want to be the voice in her head before mm. the media has a chance yeah. to tell her how she is or isn't supposed to look. I want her to be firmly rooted in the belief of her own beauty inside and outside, all I, of it, the whole package. You talk about uh, um, your your daughter's kindergarten play and there was a photo taken of you. I want to hear that story because that's really oh interesting gosh. to me. Yes, I know. So that's that essay is called My Favorite Muffin Top Photographs. <laughs> <laughs> As I was writing it, I was thinking, I cannot believe I'm going to tell this story for the whole world to hear. But, yeah, when Zoe was in kindergarten, it was our last time surviving kindergarten. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and at the end of the year, they have the big play. And, of course, all the parents are suckers, right? Like, we can't yeah. even help ourselves. My, her dad had brought, like, this huge bouquet of flowers for her. Aww. She had a speaking role. She was the brick house pig. Oh, man. One line in the three piggy opera, and you would have thought she was going to Juilliard. We made such <laughs> fools of ourselves. Anyway, after it was done, she wanted to take a photograph with me, and I was up on the stage with her, crouched down next to her, and she is just beaming at her daddy, and she's holding her flowers, and I've got my arm around her, and we smile for the camera. And when I looked at that photograph later in the day, the first thing I saw was just the joy of that moment, the memory of that moment. But the second thing, Autumn, I saw was my muffin top just peeking out for all the world to see because I hadn't taken time to stage myself how yeah. I posed, right? I was just crouched down next to a six-year-old, which is not always a flattering position for a 44-year-old. Yes. And I had a choice in that moment, like, do I delete this picture? 
Mm-hmm. And I am so pleased to be able to say it didn't, I didn't even consider it for a second because oh. that picture is not a story about my muffin top. <laughs> that yeah. picture is a story of that moment with mm. my daughter as I celebrated her. And it was her moment. It was a story much bigger than some part of my body that I see as a flaw. Mm. Instead, that part of my body made that moment possible. Yeah. <laughs> this is the reason we were there. That's so true. It's one of my favorite photographs. Uh, I love it. I think um, we can all learn in the world of filters and edits and all of that stuff. We can all learn from that because how often do we not post or do we not show pictures when we, you know, when it's not about us, it's not about our body parts. It's about what is happening in the moment. And so many moms are so quick to delete themselves, to delete themselves from the story, from the collective memory of their family, and in so doing, sending a message, right? Somehow this moment was about my body and not about us as a family. And I think in that moment when I was looking at Zoe and I had forgotten my my own body, it was the healthiest kind of self-forgetfulness, that Mm. I'm so focused on somebody else, that I'm looking outward, that may that always be the way I look. And listen, I, I know that healthy matters and I understand that can't binge each carbs the way I used to when I was 19. <laughs> I mean, I get all of that. But I also think there's a kind of soul healthy that we yeah. need to be for our kids as well. And part of that is just not deleting ourselves from the photos where we don't always look like a perfect version of ourselves. I love it. Love it. Love this. Love this. Um, I want to move on to marriage. I've been married 15 years. Um, you've been married, I think the note said 20 years. Is that right? 20 years. 20 years. Actually tomorrow, 20 years tomorrow. Oh, happy anniversary. (laughs) That is awesome. And I find that the longer I'm married, the more I love being married. And I know that's not, and this is actually my second marriage because my I was in a domestic violent relationship in my first uh, marriage. But, um, I love what you say about, uh, you know, just kind of the the everyday normal is something that, uh, you know, to be cherished. And, and um, I, I, find, I feel like sometimes my husband and I will be in a room and we won't be talking to each other <laughs> because we don't have to anymore. I mean, right, we do, but, right. you know, but there is such a comfort of just his presence, not necessarily him grabbing my hand, but just him walking into a room that I have learned to really cherish over the years. Talk to me about marriage in the middle, because I, I know that a lot of our listeners, um, especially with school age kids, may be right in this arena. Right. I mean, you know, this, I started writing about this because a few years ago I saw a quote by a teenager in Huffington Post, and the quote said, my life will never be satisfactory until someone has run through an airport to stop me getting on a flight. <laughs> and I thought at the time, wait, what? Like, like the that's movie? the pinnacle of love? <laughs> like, what wow. are you talking about? Wow. And the thing is, but that's the trope from all the movies, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's yeah. the end of the movie. The guy sprints to the airport and he declares his love and they kiss and then the credits roll. Mm. And then I want to say, but what comes next? Like, where's yeah. the rest of the story? Like, that's like minute one out of like, you know, maybe 50 years of marriage. Mm. And I wanted there to be love stories about the middle. I wanted there to be love stories about how ordinary is sexy, about the guy who unloads the dishwasher or goes out and buys the school supplies mm-hmm. or shows up for the millionth sports practice. Like, where are those love stories? And so I wrote them. I wanted to write a love story about 
about commitment, about how the man who has seen you through every stage and range of body image or clothing size, whatever you've journeyed through and has loved you the same throughout, like that is the romance that endures. That's where our real lives actually live. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that bothers me about that whole, um, you know, my life is not, how did you put it? My life is not going to be. You know, my life won't be complete until someone runs through an airport to stop me getting on a flight. So, but that's not, that's not love that is tested. That's not love that is tried. The commitment love that, uh, you know, we're, we're sort of in that stage right now, raising four kids and all that kind of stuff. That is what, it's so much more than that. It's so much more. um, So much harder. Yes. It takes, it has to be so much more selfless. Yes. So talk to me about a time when you, when in your life, specifically with marriage that you've been like, I mean, I know sometimes my husband and I are like, I don't want to go anywhere. Let's just sit in the bed and watch like. We like Shark Tank, so we watch Shark Tank a lot. Let's just watch that. And that, to me, is, like, thrilling. Um, talk to me about a time when you and your husband, what is something that you cherish in the everyday? Well, okay, I have a great example. So just last night, actually. So I am, you know, having, like you this summer, I spent a lot of the summer working on a book launch. All the kids are home, but now they're going back to school. So I have, like... I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm my children's administrative assistant, like all the emails and the sports details and the get-togethers with friends. It's exhausting. Like, And so I was feeling so overwhelmed the last few days between my deadlines and the kids' deadlines, and then my daughter made over her room. She's eight, which just means she dumped everything from her room into my living room. Yeah. So her room is pristine, and the rest of my house is trashed. <laughs> so I was, like, walking through all that in stress, and I had told Peter, like, how stressed I was, and he came home, and he walked into the house. He had picked up groceries. He texted me from the store to ask, what do we need? And he picked up groceries after navigating rush hour traffic from D.C. back into the burbs where we are. Oh, man. Picked up the groceries, walked in the door, and as I started, like, my litany of things I was worried about and who's doing the sports pickup tonight, he just grabbed me and started singing, and he is a bad singer. Like, <laughs> off he made up love songs to me in front of our teenage boys. Oh, my goodness. And their faces, like, they were laughing so hard as their dad serenaded their stressed-out mom. And I thought in that moment as I started, started laughing so hard and all the stress just went out of me. I was like, this, this is what you should write love stories about. Yeah. Moments right here. That's beautiful. Yes. Why isn't there a movie about that? We need to call somebody and get them to write, <laughs> write a movie about it is. I tell, I tell like, uh, we, we have a lot of young girls that, um, not young girls, but, uh, younger girls in their twenties that yeah. work, that work, uh, for the ministry. And, I always tell them, I'm like, you enjoy those those first couple of years, but it gets good. It gets good several years in. Once you're past the whole, right. who are you? What did I marry? <laughs> then you get, no, you, I wouldn't go back to the beginning yeah, for anything. Me either. Like, sure, there's, there's the romance and goosebumps, but then there's all the misunderstandings the and mm. not knowing how to communicate. And, I mean, I wouldn't rewind for anything. Mm, yeah, me either. But that we've hit a sweet spot for sure. Okay, let's talk about parenting uh, for a minute. Um, this It actually sounds like something I would say, sobbing in my minivan over honor roll. Tell me about, um, tell me about parenting in the middle and um, what, what, what you want the book to share about that and what you've shared. 
Yeah, so I wrote this essay called Sobbing in My Minivan Over Honor Roll because, first of all, it's one of those moments that's the extra in the middle of the ordinary. I always say that word extraordinary comes from those two words, extraordinary. Mm -hmm. And first of all, the thing nobody tells you about parenting in the middle is it's so great. Like, I keep looking at my big sons and saying, you're so much more fun than when you were a baby. I really enjoy hanging out with you. They're so great. I mean, teenager years come with its own challenges, but there's a real sweetness there too. But then it comes with other challenges. You know, I always say when our kids are babies, we carry them on our hip. But when they become teenagers, you carry them in your heart Mm. and you feel that weight. You feel it. Mm -hmm. Their heartbreaks, their disappointments, their academic struggles. And my middle son has just struggled for a long time. I I know a lot of parents who have kids who have some form of a learning disability. And my Micah has just really struggled with speech and it's impacted his reading. And for years, it was the bane of our existence, just a total nightmare. Like the stress of that kid trying to do spelling homework was so terrible and traumatic. But we had an amazing teacher last year and he had an, you know, a special or Um, learning plan put in place and just a lot of big steps forward until he started to tell me, mom, I am going to make honor roll. And I tell you what, Autumn, in five years of school, five years, Mm. they have every semester, so twice a year, an honor roll assembly. And for the kids who've made honor roll, get to stand up and get an award and you can get awards for all kinds of things. But Micah has never received one Mm. for five years. He is the kid who sits. Mm. So terrible. And my other two have received many awards, but man, it's brutal. And he just kept telling me, I'm going to make honor roll. And I didn't even have the courage to hope with him Mm. because what if he doesn't? Like, what will we do? But he worked so hard. His dad worked. His teachers worked. His tutors worked. He was amazing. And he started to tell me, tomorrow's report card day, tomorrow's report card day. And I had full-on body panic. I was like, God, (laughs) what are we going to do? Like, this is going to be so traumatic. And I sat in my minivan waiting at the bus stop that afternoon for the big yellow school bus to come rolling around the corner with my heart in my throat. And as that bus pulled up and the doors opened, my giant boys stood on the bottom step of the bus. He wasn't even off the bus yet, waving his report card above his head, yelling, (laughs) I made honor roll! I made honor roll! And I mean, I I cry now telling the story. I sobbed so hard (laughs) in the minivan. I think I I scared him. I love it. We had, it's, it's, it's those moments. We went to, (laughs) my husband and I went to, of course, of course, in the middle, in the middle, you go to all of the award ceremonies. Yes. And you listen to every single kid in the grade get an award of some sort. Right. But last year we went to um, my daughter specifically, and I was thinking she was she was uh, I knew she was going to get a honor roll because she worked really hard. But then they called out like six other awards that went along with her name, and I looked at my husband wow. and I was like, "Is this real?" <laughs> And we came home, we cried all the way home because you're right. You carry those older ones in your heart. Yep. And we cried all the way home. And then we started high-fiving because we're like, we did something right. Like this kid is just a great (laughs) kid. We were giving ourselves props for nothing that we did. But um, I totally understand that. Those parenting moments where you do, you carry them in your heart. And, um, you know, you watch them succeed, make a goal and succeed like for like your that that is 
That's that's you know, that's the good courage stuff. of determination, like mm. the courage and the courage of not giving up, the courage of not quitting. Like we learned so much from watching his courage. And I know there's so many parents who have kids who often don't hit those milestones or are the only one left sitting on the ground and the mm. courage of being their parents to be able to keep speaking the truth into their hearts that they're not failures, that they are capable, that they're so beloved. Like that kind of fierce parenting courage just moves me so mm. deeply. Yeah. Okay. I love this. Um, there are so many to my listeners out there. There are so many good parts to this book. Um, why the middle of your failures matter. I think failing and and I I think we're on the same page here um, is one of the best things that you can allow your kids to see and to talk them right. through. Um, you right. also talk about why the middle of those sports practices matter. I would love to read that because right now I don't feel like that. <laughs> Oh, here we are again. one of my favorite sections. I have a friend who whose kids don't do sports at all. It's foreign to her. Really? And she said she couldn't. Re- she was worried she wouldn't be able to relate to that section. But she said it ended up being her favorite collection of stories because oh. sports is where so much drama lives, and it's not about sports. It's about life. You know, it's yeah. about our kids facing very difficult challenges or accomplishments or leadership or loss. Mm. And so that's been it was one of my favorite collection of stories to write. I love it. There's another one, uh, why the middle of your friendship matters. And then the last part eight is why the middle of your faith matters. I don't have time to talk about these, but um, to all my listeners out there, go get Lisa Joe Baker's book, The Middle Matters, especially if you're like me and you're approaching the middle or right in the middle of the middle. Um, go pick this book up. I'm sure you can get it anywhere books are sold. Lisa Joe, thank you for sharing your heart with us today. It's such encouragement. Oh, it's been a delight. It's always so fun to hang out with another mom navigating the middle. I know. We are, we're trying to navigate. We might have lost our <laughs> compass, but we're trying over here. Um, well, thank you so much for being with us. And thank you to all of my listeners out there. I love you guys so much. You can catch me right back here tomorrow on The Autumn Mile Show. The Autumn Mile Show is listener supported and your donation to keep her on the air is much appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And if you make a donation of $100 or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of her book of the month. This program is underwritten by Mary Maids of Fort Worth. Your future starts now. Thanks for listening and join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on the Word 100.7 FM.